Okay, everyone, welcome to episode 43 of the Pushing Rubber podcast. I am your host, Adam Piggott. I'm sitting here with <clears throat> a bit of a headache. Bit of a, I don't get headaches very often, but I woke up this morning with a blinder. I don't know if that's because I had to go to the dentist this morning and I was trying to will myself out of it, or if it had anything to do with the red wine that I drank last night. Italian, of course. Corkscrew, obviously, in the bottle. Um, I probably had two glasses too many. And then when I went to bed, I made the dreadful mistake of not drinking any water. And then I compounded the mistake by probably waking up around three or four o'clock in the morning with my mouth tasting like sandpaper. And not getting up out of bed to drink some water because I couldn't bring myself to do it. I ended up rolling out of bed around six o'clock after disturbing the good wife, tossing and turning for about an hour or so. But by then, of course, it was all too late. And now I've had this headache. What is it? It's it's one o'clock. I'm wishing it was seven o'clock at night right now. I wasn't going to record this I should have done it yesterday, but I didn't get around to it. And, and But now I am. This is the drunken podcast. It's not the drunken podcast. It's And I've just had a beer with lunch because I thought, oh, I'll have to just do the hair of the dog cure. But it hasn't really helped. And, and it's one of those headaches that's like behind one eye. You know the type I mean. So, <clears throat> yeah, that wasn't too great. Um, podcast episode today. First of all, before I get on to the main guts of it, I just, as I was eating my lunch there, I was flicking through uh, a copy of The Spectator. It's The Spectator from the 25th of March. One with Bill Leak on the cover looking very heavenly. And it was this. I was flicking through it. I got this a little time ago. Now, for those who don't know, The Spectator is a conservative magazine. So pro-Brexit, pro-Donald Trump for the most part. And they've got some very good writers who work for them. But then I came across this piece today. Well, it's not today. It's from the issue of the 25th. By one Jonathan Macaloon. Actually, I'll tell you what I'm going to do while I'm recording this. Let's look up. Let's look up Jonathan Macaloon. Because I want to see just what this complete tosser looks like. Here we go. If I've got an image, come give me an image. Well, <laughs> oh God, is that what he looks like? Wow. I'm going to have to post this up with... So he... He writes for the 
BBC, The Guardian, The Financial Times, The Telegraph, and The Spectator. What on earth was The Spectator doing getting this tosser? He has a website. He Look, how do I... <clears throat> How do I do justice of what he looks like? Well, he looks like if you if you googled hipster douchebag uh, mangina, you'd get a kind of punch in the right direction. So he's wearing a in his Twitter shot. He's wearing here a what looks like a literally does look like a sweater knitted by his grandmother. By the way, I've been copying a bit of shit this week from, from readers on my blog about my predilection for cardigans, or cardies, as we refer to them here in Australia. I think you might refer to them as cardies in England as well, but I don't think the Yanks refer to them as cardies. A cardigan is an exceptionally, uh, exceptionally awesome bit of kit to have in your wardrobe. I'll tell you that right now. I'm not talking about a cardigan that's been knitted by your grandmother. Someone, someone actually said on my blog that cardigans are politically and socially incorrect. Well, there we go. I mean, if cardigans are politically incorrect, whatever, whatever that means. I know what politically incorrect means. But if, if cardigans are politically incorrect, and I don't know how that all fits together, that's the cardigan should be the, the uniform of choice of the alt-right. If that's the case, what better pedigree can you can you actually have than than a, than a piece of an article of clothing is politically incorrect? Uh, the trick with cardigans, first of all, you don't do the buttons all the way down up down at the bottom. You've got to leave at least one button on the bottom undone, preferably two, depending on the cardigan style. Underneath the cardigan, you wear a good shirt. Kind of matches the cardigan. And a cardigan, like a, a plain grey cardigan, but of very fine English wool, Shetland wool or merino or something like that, with a beautiful cut. I mean, amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm not that keen on the cardi vests. Not as keen on the cardi vests. But cardigans, boys, cardigans. You definitely have a cardigan. You definitely got to have a couple of cardies in your wardrobe. Anyway, back to our Jonathan McAloon. He's wearing some sort of uh, sweater that looks definitely like it's been knitted by his uh, grandmother. He's pale and pasty with a scraggy, unkept beard which is about the best that he could hope for in facial hair-wise. And then scraggy and unkept shoulder-length blondish browny hair, which um, if you're looking up in the dictionary, you want to look up in the dictionary the definition of the word, sp the term split ends, uh, his photo would probably be sitting there. I don't think he's seen a hairdresser... Um, since the time of his birth, by the look of him. Um, anemic, pale, pasty, mangina. 
you'd expect him to have a man bag and like a man bag that is actually a woman's hand a woman's handbag or a woman's bag uh, one of those long ones that you pick up on mr porter um by a very 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 gay designer so jonathan McAloon, you fucking loser and let's I don't want to look at his website. I just don't want to look at it. But his website, the background colour is pink. At best, at best, I could give him that it's light purple. Dear, oh dear. So he wrote this article here in The Spectator, and they've actually published it about Lena Dunham, our favourite fat feminist... The one who, since Trump's elected, just keeps gaining weight and it's all Trump's fault. Whereas apparently Barbara Streisand's losing weight, but that's Trump's fault as well. The power the man holds. This article is about Lena Dunham's television show, Girls. The headline is, let's hear it for the boys. And then the sub-headline is, say what you like about Girls creator Lena Dunham. (laughs) I will says Jonathan McAloon. She can write men. How about that? Now, she can write men like Jonathan McAloon. That says a lot about Jonathan McAloon, I think. Anyway, it craps on. The piece craps on for a bit about how this actor I've never heard of called Adam Driver who's cast as Adam Sackler. There's too much Adam going on here. He's the most sensitively drawn modern male to grace a small screen. Um, Which is amazing, considering, you know... I thought... Well... Well, maybe they're right. Um, Let's get to the good part. Modern men, I'm quoting now from Jonathan McAloon. (laughs) Modern men ought to watch the show. Ought. He wrote ought. Ought to. And they published it. Fuck me. Modern men ought to, sick, watch the show, not for the insight into how women work, Mm, That'd be expecting a little too much from Lena Dunham. But for what it tells them about how they, men, can come across, in brackets, I'd write to, as regards to feminist fat nut jobs, who you should never be listened to in a million years. But obviously men like Jonathan McAloon worry about what women like Lena Dunham think of them. Back to Jonathan McAloon's piece. In an age where young cultured men identify as feminists by default. I mean, can you even, can you even consider that introduction to a sentence? Can I read that again for you all, just to digest a little bit better? In an age where young cultured men identify as feminist by default. We are desperate to shred any residual trappings of misogyny while also retaining some sort of masculine identity. 
Now I'm just going to go back and look once again at the picture of Jonathan McAloon. There he is. In fact, I tell you what, I'm going to have his. I'm going to put his Twitter photo up on my blog connected to this this podcast. So what I want you to do is you link to the podcast. Just click across to my blog. You can click there at SoundCloud. Pause this, though. I'll find the blog. Just look up Adam Pickett, the first one. So you've done that. You've got the picture in front of you of Jonathan McAloon. (laughs) Right. Let me read that sentence again to you. And I want you to gaze at the photo of Jonathan McAloon while I read out his own sentence once again. Here we go. Exciting, isn't it? In an age where young cultured men identify as feminist by default, we are desperate to shed any residual trappings of misogyny while also retaining some sort of masculine identity. Dun, 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 dun. Gaze upon Jonathan McAloon and ponder his great masculine identity. If we were going to give someone a masculine identity and give them at points out of a hundred, and we'd say, like, Steve McQueen was a hundred... And some sort of mincing gay bar poofter who voted for Hillary Clinton is zero. Where would we put, where would we place our dear and treasured friend Jonathan McAloon? Along that line, from zero to 100, can Mr. McAloon approach the Steve McQueens? Or is he going to be down at the other end, so to speak, of the line? I'll let you work it out. He then goes on to talk about the alt-right, believe it or not. Yes, he does. Quoting Jonathan McAloon once again. Since campaigning for Hillary Clinton, Dunham has become visible enough to be deemed a worthy hate figure for the American alt-right. What's this American alt-right shit? It's just the alt-right, you stupid cock-brained wankstain. Back to Jonathan McAloon. Spokesmen such as Mike Chernovich. Chernovich isn't a fucking spokesman for the alt-right, you dipshit. A prominent Trump supporter posts blogs like How to Cheat on Your Girlfriend and Misogyny Gets You Laid, while alt-right outlets such as Breitbart News have published numerous articles about her. Yeah, you're publishing an article about her, you fucking twit. One by Milo Yiannopoulos says, Without a doubt, she is one of the best examples of how feminism attracts ugly women. But the joke we feel, this is Jonathan McAloon again, is on them. They are exactly the sort of people who could do with watching girls. Jonathan McAloon, looking at him, 
looking at him, reading what he writes, I have no doubt that he ever, if he ever got anyone of a female persuasion into bed, the first thing he'd do would be to go down on her. That'd be it. And then once he'd finished toiling away in the dark recesses of some woman's pubis, she would hoist him up and give him a kiss on the cheek and say that she was tired now and that was fine for the evening. She'd sorry if she'd inconvenienced him, but she really had to go to sleep and he'd be fine with it. That's what I envisage upon seeing Jonathan McAloon. Jonathan, if you listen to this, please, if this is different, if you ever had had a sexual experience and it has gone differently to this, please contact me and let me know. We'd be thrilled to hear. You fucking douchebag. All right. So that was Jonathan McAloon. Now, that was a little bit of a segue. The point of... The podcast, the the theme of the podcast today, uh, you'll notice the title is The Kitchen Table Episode. And this is in homage to the uh, totalitarian leader of the Human Rights Commission in Australia, one Gillian Triggs, uh, a fucking import from England... She made a speech to the Bob Brown Foundation the other week. Now, Bob Brown is basically a communist environmentalist fucktard, and the position of the Human Rights Commissioner is supposed to be apolitical. So, I mean, further left than this for the Bob Brown Foundation, I didn't even know he had a foundation, and I've got no idea what he's foundationing about, but for her to go and speak there is, is beyond... Inappropriate. Of course, our mainstream media media here in Australia hasn't made a peep about it. Anyway, so good old Gillian Triggs went along and she did a speech that apparently was giving us given a, a rousing ovation or standing ovation. Here. And in that speech. She said that the Human Rights Commission had been Australia making considerable progress, but that sadly, in Australia, you can, still, you can still say what you like around the kitchen table at home. There you go. What um, The alt-right in Australia has been going on about this, saying... It, it, this somehow inadvertently revealed what the left truly, the totalitarian left truly believe and want for Australia. A, in other words, a, a listening device in every lampshade above a kitchen table in the land. They'll roll it out by the, the National Broadband Network, probably. Um, I don't know about this inadvertent revealing thing. Um, they're not hiding it, and I and I actually I actually don't think they're they're trying to hide it in the sense that they don't people like Gillian Triggs and Bob Brown they don't see this as being a problem. They truly don't. They don't see 
the totalitarian nature of their ideology as being any issue at all. The left are completely fine with totalitarianism or ism, totalitarianism, as long as they're the ones in control. They're fine with it. They're perfectly fine. I mean, witness now, witness now this attacks on Russia right, from the from uh, with Trump and the left. I mean, the Russia. This is this year is 2017. This is the 100th anniversary of the Russian Revolution. And for the last 90-plus years, as far as the left has been concerned, Russia is the be-all and end-all. The only ones who were criticising Russia in that period were very, very few conservative writers. Everyone else, even when it came out, the 100 million-odd people that Stalin had, had caused the death of, with the famines and the killings and all the rest of it, the left was still like, oh, no, Russia, Russia, it's all good, it's all good, it's all good. They love it. It's only now that Putin's in and is not a totalitarian. <laughs> they then accuse him of being totalitarian. It's, I wonder what it's like to live like this in their brain. I think if you're truly cursed, you don't come back as a cockroach. You come back as a lefty, a hard, hard lefty. Think about that. Think about that fate, all of you alt-writers out there listening to me. That if there is reincarnation, you, chance, you stand a chance of coming back as a lefty. Hey? Hey? How does that make you feel? Scared? Scared? I wonder the suicide rate's as high as it is. Anyway, so sadly you can still say what you like around the kitchen table at home. This is a, this is a bone of contention, contention for Julian Triggs and her ilk. Um, the, the part that worried me about this quote was a bit that she said before, which was that the Australian, the, notwithstanding the enormous progress the Australian Human Rights Commission has been making, that's the worrying part, the enormous progress. What's their progress? Well, shutting down public debate. We have the thing this week with the, uh, the gay mafia, the Waffen SSM, uh, as Bill Leake called them. Um, as regards to... The fact that they're now giving out rings. It's a, it's a black ring with a tiny gap at it or a small gap in it at the bottom. Just the thing to get your hand caught in a, in a lathe. <laughs> uh, your finger ripped off or something like that. Uh, and Qantas, for instance, all these all these companies have got behind it. So Qantas has said that all its staff will be wearing, wearing it. Now, if I was a staff member at Qantas, I can tell you right now, I'd be like, I'm not wearing that. Hmm? What, what's going to happen to those staff? As I, as I wrote in my piece, it's, the, it's kind of the opposite of the Nazis making the Jews wear the yellow star. In this case, if you're not wearing the yellow star, you're in trouble. But it's the same thing. It's just revolt reversal. Yeah? Um, my, uh, my objection to this uh, ring, of course, is the wedding ring that I have here on my finger. There you go. I'll just wave that in someone's face, whoever waves a black broken ring in front of me. There you go. I wonder why they uh, chose the colour black for it. Is that like mourning or is that because, you know, they don't want to be seen as racist? Who knows? Who knows? Well, maybe knowing the left, it was the cheapest material <laughs> to make it out of. So, yes, yeah, sadly we can't say... Sadly we can still say what we like around the kitchen table at home. So this is the kitchen table episode. I mean, if we were around the kitchen table right now, what would we be saying about Gillian Triggs? Well, I'm saying it. Actually, Uncontemplation, the kitchen, the kitchen Table podcast would be maybe a better name, title for the podcast. Stuff you can say, you can still say 
around the kitchen table without bang, 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 bang on the door. And, the, you know, the Stasis, the Gestapo, NKVD, pick your secret police who are there. We've never had secret police in Australia, but uh, I wonder how far they are. People ask me, why, why are the good wife and I leaving for Holland? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here you go. Here's, here's evidence number number three out of, you know, a long fucking list. I think this is going to go well for Australia. Everyone's fucking deluded. Um, there was a piece about this over at XYZ magazine. Uh, who wrote it? Uh, Lucas Roses wrote it about Gillian Triggs, what she said. And he uh, quoted through to some chap who writes for the Courier Mail called Paul Sivret who commented on Gillian uh, Triggs and doubled down. Um, now, what did he write? Let me just click through, because Lucas summed it up. Oh, it's got a subscription. I can't be bothered getting around that. Uh, let me read what Lucas wrote. In Paul's mind, children are born as leftists and only learn their evil non-leftist ideas from wicked outside influences like parents, playmates, or Andrew Bolt. The solution is clearly to police thought and speech, not just in the public sphere, but also in the private. That's removing the bad non-leftist thoughts from society forever. In his mind, Miss Triggs regret that we don't live in a totalitarian state with government microphones in every lampshade. Wasn't a terrifying Freudian slip that exposes what the mainstream left really believes, but rather a, quote, sane and reasonable voice of tolerance. The intolerant will cast themselves in a cloak of Tolerance, that's what they will call themselves, you know. The fascists, you know, will, 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 will cloak themselves in, you know, loving humanity and equality for all, while, while accusing their uh, uh, opposite numbers of being fascists. And so here we have, here we have Gillian Triggs lamenting in public to a standing ovation or a rousing ovation or you know ovation that went on and on and on and on and on kind of like Stalin style because no one wanted to stop because the first one to stop would get shot or sent off to the gulags. We haven't got gulags in Australia. Do I do I honestly think it's possible for gulags to be in Australia in the future by people like Gillian Triggs? Anything's possible. And I'd say if you asked um, look so many times, there's this, this, this two aspects of 1930s Europe, like Germany, that, that always amazed me. As looked at from the present, is that one, whenever pieces of Nazi propaganda come up that were used, you know, uh, on their own population in the 30s or 40s, 30s in particular, before the war started, Whenever they come up as an example, everyone everyone acts all hoity-toity and, you know, kind of laughs and... <laughs> How silly those Germans were to fall for that! But the same, the same propaganda that they're getting shoved down their throats today, which is even more blatant and, and so obvious in its falsehood, they fall for it. The other one is why, oh, you know... Where were, all the, where were all the good Germans when the Nazis, you know, why didn't someone stand up and say something? Well, a few people did, and they generally, you know, got, you know, murdered. Um, but just look at all of the employees who are going along now at Qantas and Airbnb and ANZ Bank and all of these other ones with this, this, this gay marriage equality ring. 
They're going along with it. They're putting it on. They just want to keep their jobs. Just want to keep their heads down. Don't want to be bothered. That's what the Germans were thinking in the 30s. Oh, God, these Nazis are pretty crazy. But let's just hope everything goes okay. Just keep your heads down. Don't rock the boat. Blah, 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 blah. Next thing you know, your town's lying in a smoking ruins. Every male member of your family has been killed on the Russian front. Uh, And you've got a good 70 or 80 years of uh, wartime collective guilt. Uh, awaiting you. Do I think? Do I think that is it possible for you know gulags and concentration camps and re-education camps and the like in Australia? If you'd asked a German in the Weimar Republic in the nineteen twenties, who was having a good old time in Berlin, which was the party capital of the world back then, did, would they have thought that within ten years? You know, they would have had concentration camps in Germany. You would have been looked at like you're a moron. Of course, it's possible. It's possible anyway. But I think it's 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 especially more possible in Australia, because like I'm I'm saying a lot now, we don't have have the depth of culture or national identity that other countries around the world have from a long history. To be able to see us through this, we can, what are we appealing to? What is an Australia? I wrote in my blog, you know, these fake Australians. Someone else wrote, "Oh, what is it? What is a real Australian? What is it now? What is it? Someone who believes in, you know, freedom of association, freedom of speech, freedom, free enterprise, that sort of thing." You'd think that the British institutions, cultural institutions, you kind of think that would be, well, they don't. You know, here, advocating for Sharia law of all things, they're in trouble. Real trouble. The Gillian Triggs of the world. They don't want you to be able to... Not, not only don't, do they not want you to talk in public, they don't want you to have the luxury of being able to talk around your own kitchen table. I mean, perhaps you'll have to go out and sit in the bush or underwater, you know, underwater and blow bubbles at each other and, you know, the, bu- the bubbles are all Morse code or something like that. Dot, 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 dash, dash, dash. That's the only way you'll be able to have a conversation in peace. Free of persecution. This is what this is, persecution. Oh, I can't believe that people can still talk around the kitchen table. Yeah, who would have thought it, Gillian? Who would have thought it? Gillian Triggs. Like I said, she's she's an English fucking import. Why do we have to get these people? And her right-hand man is a fucking import from Thailand. We import these. This is... Here we go. This is like prime example one and two of why immigration's bullshit. We can't even get rid of them. Um, I just find the whole thing. This is the other thing: is that we we they're succeeding, but we have so much more capacity now to get message out there via what I'm doing right now or the blog or whatever you want, YouTube. And they did in 1930s Germany. I mean, 1930s Germany, very quickly, the Nazis just, whoosh, all the newspapers, all the radio, everything, whoop, wrapped up, taken care of. They knew where the power was. But the Gillian tricks of the world, they don't, they don't have that 100% blanket coverage. And yet, and yet, and yet, still do well. It's amazing, isn't it? Hmm. Uh, Sponsors. uh, Captain Capitalism. 
Aaron Cleary, good friend, fellow blogger and podcaster. Um, he's uh, had a couple of good videos. Um, what was the, What were the ones that I watched? Um, let's have a look. Oh, uh, yeah. You won't know what you should do in life until you're 35. I thought that was a particularly good one. And, and actually, um, boys and girls, you probably won't even know at 35 what you want to do in life. Look, the most interesting people I know still don't know what they want to do with their lives, and they might even be in their 60s or 70s. Because they're not, they're not satisfied. I think, I think that's one of the great secrets of, secrets of life, not to be satisfied. You're continually striving to work new things out. And one of the reasons I'm really, really happy to be moving to Holland is I get to learn another language. I can, I can notch a third one up. I think that's great. The more I, the more I learn, the more you learn another language, the more you understand your own language. Seeing how other people view things through language as well. Fascinating stuff. You've got to be continually pushing the boundary and learning. Ask me what I want to be, what I want to be. I don't know. I don't know. You won't know what you should do in life until you're 35. If that. Which is why this whole going to university thing. Um, What was the other one? I liked. Um, is it okay to date conservative teachers? Yes. Of course it is. Uh, you can then hold them hostage and make them have sex with you all the time if you're under 18 under the threat of, uh, of uh, stringing them up in front of um, the cops. <laughs> um, so check out, check out Captain Capitalism YouTube channel there. It's got some great, great ones. There's a few here that I think I'm going to... What have I, haven't I seen? Uh, reading Marvel comics is like going to church. All right, I'm going to have to watch that one. And this is like, that's 12 minutes. These are good bites. Um, Cappy the Whore for V Speaks. Uh, I know, he's just pushing stuff there. Uh, request the dangers of millennial roommates. Oh, that's good. Um, request get your ass to a doctor. This is all. This is all looks good. Cappy's got some, and this come out. This is all like he's done. This is all of these in the last two days. He's done one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There you go. In the last week, he's done fifteen videos there. So get your get your ass over to Aaron Clary's site, check him out. He's got some great books as well. Uh, speaking of books, my books, Pushing Rubber Downhill, A Journey to Manhood via Whitewater Adventures, my story of how I became a rafting guide by accident because I was striving, I was trying to work things out. I didn't know anything. It's 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 a it's a rollicking tale of rafting around the world in places like Canada and Africa and Italy and Australia. Um, which is actually, a, uh, as a young guy, how to get your shit together. And I make lots of mistakes and lots of fuck-ups. And it's got lots of cool 
stories and, and anecdotes and you know adventures with witch doctors and that sort of thing. Mother book run guts pull cones, which is a rafting season in the Italian Alps, and that's that's about how men how it's necessary for men to work in a masculine environment with a masculine dynamic um, at some point in their lives to have that esprit de corps that that bounce off the the friends that i made in that time that rafting time when it was really really full on are the greatest friends i've you know there's only one friend like still keep outside the rafting game the rest are all in the rafting game and some of these guys i haven't seen for 10 years even longer 15 years maybe even longer than that um but you meet up haven't seen them for 15 years it's a beautiful thing uh so run guts pull cones is about one rafting season in the house that's funny it's got lots of adventures and you know italian chicks and sex and drugs and rock and roll but it's also it's also an example of why working uh in a masculine environment with a bunch of men is really 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 good for you as a man uh, and you know in the book there's this incrosion attempted incrosion by by some women and we deal with it and i'll show you how we dealt with it so it's another good example for that sort of thing so you can click through to my blog you can find both those books on amazon and um or booktopia and you know all over the place um that's me it's a short one like i said they've got a blinder of a headache it's right behind my eye bang 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 um i'm probably just going to go and check out um just for a laugh i'm going to check out jonathan mccaloon's website and uh have a bit of fun with that so until next week this has been another episode of the pushing rubber podcast thank you for joining me Ciao.